Jesus House in pursuit of God, discovering purpose, maximizing potential, impacting lives. This message is being brought to you from Jesus House London. God bless you. praise you father we praise you for all that you have done we thank you for the week gone past we thank you for the weekend and we thank you for another start of a working week father we come together to meet with you and to learn of you we just ask for your holy presence father holy spirit there is no teacher like you and it's you we seek even right now holy spirit come holy spirit come and teach you're the one who knows what the Father would have us know today. So Holy Spirit, come. I yield myself to you. You put your words into my mouth and let my brothers and sisters hear what you are saying to them. We yield everything to you, the equipment, the devices, the platform, everything we yield it to you. We say, have your way, O Lord. And Father, I pray that because your children have turned to you and turned to your word, Father, please do visit them. Visit them and meet them at the point of their needs, including myself, for you know what it is we need. And you have said that when we seek first your kingdom and your righteousness, you will add whatsoever it is we need to us. So thank you, Father, for adding all that we need to us, even as we fellowship and learn together in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Okay, so welcome everyone once again, um, and we are going to start the session. As usual, I um, I like props, so I will be using some slides today. Um, they're mainly for my um, for my guide, so that I can be structured and go through things. But they might also provide a useful visual for yourselves as well. So I will share the slides as well. I'll share the screen so that you can see and follow through what I'm saying. But um, they're, they're really just a guide uh, for me and may not necessarily follow all that is being said in the slides. So here we go. So let me start. Okay. So um, there's a bit of a story behind this, but I'll, I'll try my best to um, just make sure that um, uh, I, I don't I don't waffle on too much with with that. Um, so there's a little bit of a story behind this because um, when I was um, asked to take the session, of course I do what I do normally and I pray and I ask God and I went through a journey and I do mean a journey. Um, but I wouldn't bore you with the details. But um, what I felt. Um, uh, we needed to do came about in a very convoluted way. It came about. It came about in three ways. Yeah, it it came about in three ways, and um, I I I had to do some working to put it together so that I could I it could make sense. Um, so I will I will jump right into it. Um, I titled this uh, Two Keys to the Promises of God Coming to Pass. And it's not that there are only two keys, but these are two keys that we're going to sort of focus on um, this this um, evening. Um, and they they are because um, I, I, I'll, I'll say that I'll say that at the end. Uh, I, I'll, I'll say that at the end. Okay, right. So let's let's just jump right into it. I think I think I'll do it that way, and then we'll um, we'll we'll take it from there. Okay, um, right. So the first things. Let's go. Okay, so first scripture. I'll tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I am going to be with the Father. Okay. So here we all know this is Jesus Christ who was saying to his disciples or the people that were gathered together around him. 
uh, in John chapter 14 and verse 12. And I read it from the New Living Translation. Um, and simply, this is what this is what um, this is what was he was saying is that the works that he did, we will also do, but is predicated on our belief in him. Okay, so um, he's basically saying to us, if we were to sort of just uh, paraphrase, is that one of the keys to doing the kind of things that he did is us believing in him. Okay. Now, as I always do, I then went in and looked at the word believe. And for me, it's always, what does it mean? How is it used in the scripture? Okay. And with this, I have sort of just put together a very brief summary, a very brief summary of what it is. Now, this particular um, word believe um, is used 124 times in the New Testament only. I excluded the um, Old Testament because I was focusing mainly on the words of Jesus Christ and um, also some of the scriptures in the New Testament, although I refer to the Old Testament a little bit, but it occurs 124 times in the New Testament. And um, the, the thing that surprised me the most about it is that it's a verb. Now, I didn't pay too much attention to this before because I thought I, I understood what the word believe meant. And I'm sure each and every one of us, if we were to have been asked beforehand, what do you think believe is, we'll all have our individual definitions for it. And they're not wrong. I, I, I don't say so. But I gained a little bit more understanding when I understood that it was a verb. And why is that? It's because a verb is an action word or it describes an action. It, it describes um, something that we do. It's a doing, it's a doing word in itself. Okay. So it gives the indication or the, the, the understanding that the word believe is something that we do. Yeah. And we will believe. And it's interesting because if I were to go back to that previous um, to that previous um, um, verse, it says, "God, Jesus Christ said, believe in me. That was the word. So there is a verb and generally for English students, of which I'm not really a great one because I've forgotten all of these things, but I had to go and look it up. They generally refer or are associated to a subject matter, which can be, or in most cases, is a noun. Uh, in this case, him, me, is the, it was was what was what was what the scripture said in itself. But the what I looked at was the Greek of this particular word and what it said. Now it's used in a wide variety of of situations wide variety so you cannot really pin it down to one thing it means several different things in there but they all form a thread or they would they all in the context in which they are used we we understand what it is the scripture is saying but the bottom line as to what i could pick out is a fact is that um for us to believe we have to first of all think that something is true yeah and we have to be persuaded about it. So, and that's one of the things I liked was the use of this word persuaded, because this word um, pistio, which is the Greek word for believe, comes from a root, which means to be persuaded. Yeah. And so to, to believe is to have that persuasion, to be convinced or to credit someone with something. So we, we, we in, 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 in an example, I could say sort of like, okay, um, um, I believe this person said it, or I believe this person did it. Yeah, that's, that, that's the kind of the, the, the um, example for to credit, right? But with belief always comes one thing, and that's that confidence that you place that confidence in. In there, so you're persuaded, you're sure, you're certain, you agree with it. You know, yeah, okay, this is it. That that that's what what it is. And often, often it implies a trust. 
a level of trust that you would have in that particular thing that one is believing in or in that particular idea or that particular word or whatever it might be that the case may be. Yeah. So that was belief um, in itself. Okay. Now there is a second word that goes along with belief quite a lot. And um, that's the word that is, 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 is faith. And again, um, the, here is a scripture, um, Mark chapter 11, verses 22 to 23. Um, and this scripture reads, so Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. So the first thing he's saying is have faith in God. Okay. Um, For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. So here in those two scriptures that we that we read, so Jesus Christ in John chapter 14, uh, John chapter 14, verse 12, when he said, whoever believes in me, the kind of things that I did, he will do and greater works than that would he also do. The same thing in this scripture, he's saying, okay, if you believe, if you have faith in God, if you have faith in God, you'll be able to do these wonderful, amazing things in there. Okay. So, of course, when I read that, and honestly speaking, if you asked me, I would tell you that I believe that word completely. I do. I have no doubt concerning the veracity, the power, the life in that word. In both of them, I don't have it. And the truth be told is I expect, I expect to be able to do these things. But I don't. Yeah, I don't see it happening. Yeah, and, and and so of course, for me, it's a question of why. And I do ask questions a lot. So of course, as usual, me, I'll ask God, why, why am I not doing these things? What's going on? What? And you know, I, there might be so many different reasons. He hasn't really sat me down and said, these are the reasons why yet. So I'm still trying to figure out what that is, but that's not the, that's not the thrust of this particular, um, 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 what do you call it? Of this particular session um, today. Um, but it's a question that is, is a question that always drives me when I come to this kind of situation. Now, in a minute or so, it's going to be 7.14 and um, we will be um, making uh, or, or saying our prayer and making our declaration um, at 7.14. So I think I will pause first here um, and then we'll, com- we'll continue after the uh, declaration. Right, 7.14. So let's, let's say our declaration. Oh Lord, we are your people called by your name. We humble ourselves, we pray and seek your face. We turn from our wicked ways. Hear from heaven. Lord, forgive our sins and heal our land. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We declare that our land is healed. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Okay. So let's continue. Right? So We've looked at belief just to understand um, what the scripture says when it's talking about belief. And just to remind you, it's being persuaded, it's having that confidence or giving credit to someone, but accepting that that word is true or that thing is true, because it doesn't have to be just a word. It can be a thing that, that we look at. Okay. Now. The second word I wanted us to consider is the word faith, because that goes along with belief, as we saw in the scripture, in the second scripture in Mark chapter 11, um, verses 22 and 23. And the word faith is, again, another interesting word. And until I did this study, I didn't really understand or know that it was a, it was a noun. I thought it was an action word. I thought it was a verb. It's something faith is what you 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 have faith. You do it. I, I just I I, 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 I to be honest. I don't think I can 
truly do justice in in explaining or even giving you an, a, a a good analogy as to what faith is and what belief is but um, what belief is but I'll do my best <laughs> by the grace of God, the Holy Spirit would, would help me. But it's a noun and something being a noun then begins to give us an indication more of it is something you have. It's not something you do. It's just something you have. It's a thing that you have, if you see what I mean. Whereas believe is something you do. So we have to be active. We have to believe something yeah, um, but faith is something we have, so to speak. And that is in from the Greek indication in the scripture, it's a firm persuasion. Yeah, again, it comes from the same root word that believe comes from. So they are related. You can say they're brothers and sisters in there, but it comes from the same root word, but it means or it generally indicates a firm persuasion or an assurance. So I am sure, certain, have no doubt. That's why Abraham, the scripture um, could say of Abraham in that um, he, he was fully persuaded. He, he believed God. Yeah. So the, 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 and the use of those words throughout scripture is all interchanged. So in some cases they will use belief, in some cases they will use faith. And honestly, I wish I knew why and when they do the everything. And one day I'm, I'm sure the Holy Spirit will give some understanding to it. But I don't think that they are just used anyhow, because the Holy Spirit I know is, is a master designer. Every single word is placed in the scripture. My my view, that's what I believe. Every single word is placed in scripture deliberately. There is no error or, or thing in there. It's deliberate and it has multidimensional meanings for each one of those words. But faith um, is an assurance, is a firm conviction. Um, um, and if you look at the root word and you look at the Hebrew word, it basically means a firm support or a, a, a support, a strong, and I would use the word foundation, but that's that's my word. That's not how the, the scripture does it. The word the scripture uses is support. So something that holds something up or supports something in there. So faith is that firm firm conviction or that supports that thing that holds a person a person up in there and it's just something we have it's not something we do yes we can acquire it but it's something that we have in itself and of course in the new testament it's used 245 times in the new testament i would expect that because that's that's our faith and it's used again in a wide variety of of of, of ways in there so it would be interesting if you ever have that time or want to do it is to actually look at and see the different ways in which the word faith and believe is is used in scripture but that's enough of enough of the greek uh, understanding of of, of the word in there, but there is a reason for this, and it will become clearer later on in the in in the in the um, session. Okay, so now I'd like to sort of attempt to give an interplay between faith and believe, or believe and faith. Okay, so I'll try and use an analogy. It's not necessarily the best, but. Is what I got. <laughs> so bear with me as we, we do this. So, okay, here we go. Now, let's take the scenario of a born again person, somebody who's born again, right? Generally, when somebody gets born again, we are told or we tell, we tell people that, oh, at the time that you're born again, something miraculous happens. The Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of the person. So I use you, but um, because it's easier for me to say you than the person is too, too many words. Yeah, it lives inside of you or inside of me. Now, generally speaking, in most cases, we don't notice anything happening. We don't, you know, there's no earth shattering motion. There's no, you know, convulsion or whatever. There's no drama. It's just, yeah, okay, said a prayer and that was it. Okay, is that all? You know, generally it's it's so almost underwhelming. Not, nothing seems to happen, yeah? But most of the time, 
we just believe that the Holy Spirit has come to live inside of us. Now, on the on the on the right hand side, my right, probably your left, um, we have this faith bar, and I've just put that as a as a, as a way to indicate something as we go along. So, when we believe that the Holy Spirit has come to live inside of us, yeah, we have a little faith. Something is added to this faith meter. Let me call it. Let me call it that. Yeah. So we develop a faith, or we have little faith, or we have some faith of some kind because we believe in the things that we don't see. So it's not like as if we see it happening. This happens in the background. We just we just believe it in there. Okay. So let's say we then hear another another word, or we read it in the scripture that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Again, if we believe it, yeah, and believe that, then that adds another level of faith to it. And as we grow in our work and we do all these other things, we will be hearing different things. We'll be reading different things in scripture and we'll be believing it. And those things will be adding and then our faith will be growing in there. Yeah, that's the general way in which things happen. But of course, there are times when we come across things like praying in tongues, which in some cases can be a controversial topic because there are some people who say, oh, that went with the um, Acts of Apostles or that's not something that we should be doing now and all sorts of different things in there. Let's leave the controversy aside in there. But the, the point I'm making here is that as we go on to learn and acquire new knowledge and new information, a new understanding, and we believe it, yeah, we get another bar added to faith. So when we believe and maybe we start praying in tongues, we receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit and we start praying in tongues, we get another, another wrong added to that faith. And we're growing in faith. We're growing in faith. Yeah, but we're still believing because which with each one of these we're believing, but we're growing in faith. The strength of our faith is increasing. Our support base of faith is increasing. Now, if we take an example, sort of like okay, so you've just heard about praying in tongues, and you said, yeah, I want to, I want to pray in tongues, and you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and then you come across somebody who says, oh, that died with the apostles when they died in there, and they have a very strong, convincing argument and you believe them, what happens? That faith just stays there at that level because actually now you've countered that with a doubt. So that faith that would have continued to grow now hits a bit of a stumbling block or a roadblock because it's there. Now, does it mean that you don't have faith and your faith doesn't continue to grow? It will, but the experience of that faith from or what you could experience through the brain in tongues is reduced or stifled because you now have some doubts in there. But yeah, it doesn't mean that you don't grow in faith in other aspects, in salvation and in other things. Yeah, there, there, there's, there's, there's still that development that may happen, but the experience from that this aspect of praying in tongues and what the Holy Spirit gives from that um, in terms of the utterance, that will be limited in such a way. And this can go on and on and on and on and on, you know. And of course now, so maybe you're still going on. Let's assume that, okay, you believe the, the tongues and you continue to do that. And now you hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. Of course, that adds another thing because by now when you're hearing the Holy Spirit, obviously, you know, you, you get excited. And it would be more difficult for someone to come and tell you that tongues is not, um, or the Holy Spirit doesn't exist or anything like that. Because why now you're having conversations with the Holy Spirit. You're hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit. And now you are recognizing them. So, of course, your faith is growing and the strength of your faith is growing in there. Okay. And let's say we now move one more level and now you're actually in the flow with the Holy Spirit and you're being guided, you know, your actions, you ask Holy Spirit, what should I do? Should I do this? And you're getting the confirmation, you're getting the guidance, you're getting all of those things and you're having a blast with the Holy Spirit in there. That again will add another level to 
years. But now you have a personal conviction because you have that intimacy, that relationship with that Holy Spirit in there. And all of that has come about because each time you hear something, you believe it. And as you believe it, you work on it. Now, saying belief like that may just make us feel that, okay, so all you have to do is believe. But as I studied it, I began to ask myself, so what do I do when I need to believe something? And um, I, I want to use this as an opportunity to just explain how I understand it to be. Yeah. Now, I always say one thing. I can only give you what I have or what I know. Now, I really do pray that you would all be like the Berean Christians, that you will hear what I have to say, but you will check it out. I simply don't just take what I say as gospel. Check it out yourself to make sure that this is true or it's not true. Yeah, because I'm a human. And yes, I may think I know something because I've rather read it, studied it, or I thought I heard it. But you need to check it out for yourself. So everything I'm saying here is really just to bring um, those things that would enable you to check it out. And when you check it out, which is part of the process of believing, because when you check something out, you get to either believe it or not. And because you would see exactly what I'm saying, or you would see it differently. And again, it, all that, all of that is 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 acceptable because there's no there's no one way to anything. But with all of this, say for example, you um, let's take the your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. You read that in the Scripture. Now, generally speaking, there are different ways in which you can believe. You can say, "Yeah, I believe that because it's written in the Scripture." End of story. No problems. But because believing or believed is an action word, that tells me that there are certain things that I need to do. And so the way that I do it is either I read that, I check it out, find out other scriptures, check the definitions. So I'll check the English definition of belief. I'll check the, the Bible usage of, of, of belief. Then I do one other thing. I meditate on that. I will think about it. I will ask the Holy Spirit questions. I'll ask him all sorts of questions about it. And I'll keep going, turning it around in my mind, you know, and every now and again, I'll be reminded of scriptures that support it or scriptures that challenge it. And then I will then go and investigate it to try and understand what's the context of that scripture, how it's working. Basically, I spend time in that word, reviewing it, meditating it, and praying about that word. So I go to God and I talk, this thing you said here, what do you really mean by this? How should I look at this? That sort of thing. And I, I'll pray it in there. And that's all part of how I come to that point. So that when I say I believe that word, I am fully persuaded. I have a conviction. I'm certain. And it's not based on the fact that, oh, it was just written in the scripture. It's because I have spent time on it and I have worked on it. I have thought about it. I have prayed about it. I have asked questions about it. I have examined the scriptures about it. I've done what I know to do about it. And that gives me a stronger base of faith as I go in. So, and even as I, my faith increases, that feeds back into me believing even more. And the whole thing just keeps on going on in a cycle like that. I hear a word, I read it, check it, believe it, have faith added to it. That strengthens me again, on and on and on and on and on and on and on. And that's, that's, that's how I, I, I see the interplay between faith and belief. So one builds on the other, one supports the other, and, and it keeps on going on and on and that. But it's quite clear from the scriptures to me that because Jesus Christ told us several times, not just once, and I only used two scriptures there, but he told us several times, believe, believe in me. He says, believe that the Father sent me. He just he kept on telling us to believe. And also, again, the scripture will remind us when Jesus saw their faith, you know, have faith in God, 
all of those things that I, like I said, I do not believe that those things are just there to fill up. They are there designed specifically for our knowledge and for our use in itself. So I just wanted to just um, bring that into play so we can see. And this is one of the reasons why this whole thing happened, this whole experience I had around this um, Bible study happened because of this interplay between faith and belief. Okay, so I want to also just share um, a few other scriptures because they're all on the same line. Um, so we looked at John chapter 14, verse 12. We looked at Mark 11, 22 to 23. And there's this other one in here which says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. And that's John 14, verse 1. Okay, and, and again, New King James Version is what I'm looking at, this one, John 14 and verse 1. Now, notice something in all these three scriptures, and that's why I put them together on the screen. It, the object of belief is Jesus and God. Jesus and God. So that tells me something, that yes, we believe his word, or we believe the, the word, but the object of the person behind the word is actually who we need to believe or have faith in. So that means that if we are to have faith in God, yeah, and from that interplay between belief and faith, as I described, in the process of working out my belief and understanding and checking things out and spending time and asking, there is a process of knowing. I become familiar with that word. I become familiar with that concept or whatever it is I'm trying to believe or I'm trying to understand. I become intimate with that thing. Yeah. And that's how I do it because I'm spending time. I'm understanding. There is a lot that is going on in that process of believing. And that, of course, is adding faith to me in itself but the object of it has to be god so my question is how how do we believe or how are we meant to have faith in god or believe in god yeah now that brings me to the second part of this which is knowing god because truly if we don't know him it is hard or difficult to believe him or to have faith in him if we trust him then, of course, if he says anything, we believe it. If we don't, if we're still very doubtful, maybe he's not real, whatever that might be, or, you know, he doesn't do things the way he said, then there will be some shaky things there. So knowing him is, is, is the next key thing that we need to sort of do. Now, to do this, I want to sort of use an analogy of a chair. Yeah, now because I've heard people use the chair as an example of faith, and I just thought, okay, yeah, I might as well use the same uh, chair for the analogy that I want to just share with you now. Most of us, we see a chair, we know what a chair is used for, and we will look at the chair. In this case, it's a four-legged chair. We see it. The moment we look at it, there is an assessment going on internally, which we we not don't necessarily pay attention to because it's not like as if we examine the chair and say mm, it has four legs yeah it has a flat bed it has a back i can sit on it is it uh, is it nailed together we don't do any of that we just look at it and from that we have a confidence that we can sit on that chair and it's okay in itself yeah and that's how we tend to to look at chairs but what if i brought a three-legged chair to you yeah and you looked at it one look at this chair would tell you and I, there's no way I'm sitting on this one. Yeah, I don't even have to think about it. Why? Because I'm familiar with chairs. I know a little bit about it. I might not know how this chair is made. I may not even know whether there are termites in the middle uh, that have eaten the legs of it. And if I sit on it, it's going to collapse. But because he has the four legs and it resembles a chair, and what I know I understand about chairs and how they, even if I know how they are made, I feel comfortable with a four-legged chair. I can sit on that. But when I look at a three-legged chair like this one here, it's like, nah, there's no way I'm sitting on that one. You know, and something goes on in me because, of course, 
it has i have spent so much time in chairs i climbed chairs when i was a baby you know to get on the chair i'll climb on it so i'm used to chairs i in a way understand them i may not know how this one was put together i may not understand you know what kind of wood or whatever it is all of that doesn't really matter all i know is this is a chair it normally holds my weight um it, it looks like it it has four legs yeah it looks like it's stable yeah let's go i'll sit on this one and you generally don't think about it you just sit down on the chair in itself yeah now that is because you know you have had some acquaintance or some uh, uh how do i put it some um experience with chairs in itself okay now jesus said to us in john chapter 17 verse 3 and this is the way to have eternal life to know you the only true god and jesus christ the one who one you sent to earth so to know you the only true god and jesus christ and this is what jesus said about the way to eternal life using the new living translation yeah um and in the new king james version it says uh, uh and this is eternal life to know you the one only the one true god and jesus christ whom you sent yeah so therein lies another clue that in order for us to develop that faith and that strength and that firm persuasion firm conviction that allows us to experience and enjoy god in the many things i.e to do the works that he said to speak to the mountains and let the mountains move we've got to know him in there okay and here is another one that paul apostle paul gives us when he says i want to know christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead i want to suffer with him sharing in his death so paul understood and knew him to a certain extent and you and i know that at the time paul was writing this he was not yeah he was he was an apostle he was already doing these miracles and he was already doing things but he still recognized that he needed to know a little bit more so that tells me something else is that as we go on no matter how much we grow and that's why that faith meter was not full is because there is always still room for more faith there's always still room for more knowledge for more growth for for more of it but the focus is on knowing on knowing christ so of course as i do what does know mean in the scriptures and again, I focus mainly on the New Testament. What does it mean? And I remember Pastor Badge using this word ginosko last week when he took the session um, and talking about ginosko. And of course, um, I, I, I obviously went to ginosko to go and have a good look at it as well. And ginosko in itself is a very interesting word used so widely in the scripture. Um, in in so many different contexts that i i think it's 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 a good a real good study to truly understand what this word really means but what i've done so far is just to fish out some of the things that ginosko indicates so when the scripture uses the word no right when when we scripture uses the word no um we need to be careful as to what it is actually saying because there are actually four different words that it uses um but i'm only focused on on, on ginosko and another one for now but the bottom line is this ginosko indicates and depending on the context in which it's used in scripture so let's not separate it from the context depending on the context it's used in scripture it might be coming to know something i.e you come to knowledge either by learning, so by reading, studying, or whatever that might take, or by experience. So it, it, it includes that aspect of things as well, right? It also does include that aspect of um, per perceiving, recognizing, or sensing something. 
So again, this might be in using the senses or feelings or somehow you just know something. And many of us would have, would have that experience and we can't really explain how or why we know, but it comes from uh, some, 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 some re receipt of knowledge of some kind in some way. It also does have a, an aspect of understanding right again and again that's part of the reasons why when we went through that interplay i was talking about reading studying meditating praying is because i'm trying to gain understanding in there so ginosko has that connotation in it that that um that knowledge that we're seeking or knowing also does include understanding in some way also it can come or one also, it does also include finding out by examining something, by taking it apart, by looking at it. And of course, again, in that interplay that I sort of described, that's partly what I'm doing as well when I'm checking other scriptures and going through um, some of those um, um, meditations and things that I'm doing, right? Okay. And again, it's used to indicate when you recognize something. And sometimes it is that we go, oh, that's what that was saying. Oh, yeah, we suddenly get a recognition. Sometimes we might call that revelation. Fine. It's not really bothered about it, but there is a recognition that comes as a result of some something that is going on within us and one of the other ones is to realize and this is, is this is not a, um, a complete list but it's just enough for us to for us to um to see or to get some understanding and again like i said all of this will become clearer in a few in a few moments in itself okay some interesting things about the word ginosko that i would like to sort of share with us right it signifies the assimilation of knowledge or the taking in of knowledge. Yeah. That's what it that's what it it's it simplifies. So I see something or I read something or I hear something or something, but it's the taking in of knowledge. And I use the words information because it's a lot easier by taking information. And then it requires a processing of that information, generally to gain understanding but it also brings familiarity to become familiar with that word or with, with, with that piece of information. And we do this generally in life. It's not just for the scriptures, but we do it all the time in there. We take in information, we think about it, we consider it. Sometimes we research it and then we come to some conclusion on it. Exactly the same thing, nothing really different in, in, in that case. Okay. Now, obviously it, it indicates now by doing that, the moment you begin to look at something, we begin to get familiar with it we begin to develop a relationship with it and of course in relation to god and the scriptures the more we do that then the more we become more intimate or more familiar or more acquainted with the word or the person that we're actually looking at so we, we there's an there's an uh, there is an um an indication in the use in the word ginosko and and which is translated no in the scripture of some relationship between the person who is doing the learning and the object that is being learned in there so the more we do that the more we become familiar with the word the more we become one with that word the more we become more one with god or understand god a little bit more it does also include um intuition so that is where we know things we just we you know we we we, we have a sense of something yeah ginosko does also also um, include that yeah um and but mostly almost all the time it indicates a bit of a progression so it's almost as if you have to take in information and then knowledge and you know something on the basis of that in itself. So it almost always suggests the, the either the start or the development process in gaining knowledge as one goes on in there. Yeah, but also um, in, a, in a completely different way, it talks about intimacy and often the same word does often um relate to that uh when we say and the man knew his wife the way we, we talk about the, the the sexual relationship between a man and his wife it of course talks about it's it's the same word it's the same um 
um, yeah, the same Greek word or in 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 inference from the intimacy that happens between um, a person who is learning or knowing something and that thing that they are knowing about in in there. So that that was just that was just um, to show you the breadth of the 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 way the word is used in scripture. Okay. Now, I, it may appear that I'm rushing through this a lot. It's just because all of this bit is just setting the scene for something that I want to really get to. And I'm conscious of the time um, in itself. Another word which is translated no in the scripture, which I wanted to um, bring to our understanding, is this word um, Ido. Yeah, Ido. Um, now, it, you may see it spelled in different ways in the in in your bible depending on 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 which one it is but it's either eido or oido um greek the greek spelling of the word in in the greek alphabet um but yeah it's there but however this particular word indicates more of knowledge by perception or knowledge by sight so you see something you observe it um, and then you gain some knowledge or some understanding from from that. That's the kind of word it is. Slightly different from Ginosko, and it's used quite a lot in in, in scripture as well. Four hundred and sixty-five times in there, um, and there's so many different examples. And I I really was tempted to have examples, but I knew that if I had the examples in here, uh, we'll just go. On a, on, a, on a tangent and will not really finish what it is because the idea is not to teach you the words but to bring out or to show what these words really do and how we learn from or how we learn uh, about God through the scriptures in here. So it might be through the eyes, what we see, what we read, it might be through the senses. And, you know, as I was doing this, I asked my wife about, um, you know, um, examples about experiencing God or, or knowing through the senses. Um, and, you know, I, 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 I talked about, uh, and I think I have it further down, I, I will sit like that. I talked about a few things, um, but there are a few senses that I was, mm, I'm not quite sure about that one because yeah, either I haven't had any experience or I, I hadn't spent any time researching it in scripture, but the, 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 the word also includes that, but it's more really about perceiving, noticing, recognizing, discerning, discovering things, um, not necessarily um, as in by studying it, but by us seeing things and observing things or things coming to us, you know, as in, in a way, it's, it's, it's not quite a revelation, but you know, you might be thinking about something and you just go, oh, that's what it means to make a connection in there. That will be Ido in itself. Whereas Ginosko is really, you know, you're reading and studying about something, thinking about it, meditating, and then you come to a conclusion on, on that. So they are used differently, but it says the same thing. You're gaining knowledge from, from those from those things. Okay. So that's um Ido. So in, in summary, yeah, I'm just looking at both belief and faith and knowing or know in there. Um, belief and faith really is all about taking taking in that knowledge, processing it in a way, thinking about it, studying, meditating, asking the questions, praying it, then believing it. You know, we have to be persuaded that it's true. Yeah, and then in from the Ginosko part of it, because there's always a part of experience in it. There's a practice. That means that we need to do something in there, and of course, that's what those five men, those five. Um, those five men that lowered the leper into the presence of God in the scriptures, and um, when Jesus Christ said, uh, and the scripture says, and Jesus saw their faith, um, it's because there was some action behind it. And of course, believe is an action word, so we would expect that there will be some actions in some situations. Not everything can have an action to it, but basically there is there there, there might be uh, uh, an, an action to it. But basically. All of those things, as we do that, faith is the result that that support that strengthens us and keeps us firm and immovable and 
fully persuaded about what either who God is or what God has said, because we know who he is, that faith just continues to build and strengthen and holds us through most of the time. So just a summary of the interplay between that. Yeah. And again, um, here I've just done again, just an, a little uh, summary of that uh, knowing God. Um, and the reason for this and the reason for the whole thing is that with each and every one of those things, we experience God, whether it's in the process of believing or whether it's in the process of knowing him, learning, we experience God and each one of those things are different. So as I am understanding things, I am having an experience of God. And this is what God wanted. This is really what he wanted to to to. To, to share with us today because um, when we come to knowing him if we do it only one way for example by reading the scripture and depending on our experiences we don't experience the full breadth and dimension of who God is because say for example we haven't taken time to notice him in creation so we see the plants and the trees we know they feed by photosynthesis and we on we know all of that but we don't really take the time to look at how god designed that and the whole ecological system or even just our bodies alone and how the function why is it that we breathe within the rhythms that we breathe why is it that our eyes are the most sophisticated optical instruments in the world why is that how is it that is we most of the time we don't we don't spend time to just look at god from those different perspectives and because of that we miss some of some of the um blessings that come from the knowledge knowing him that way in itself and that was one of the things that he wanted me to to sort of bring out in there that all these things we know that we need to believe we know that we need to have faith for us to do those things we know that we need to go god but for us to fully enter into the dimensions that are to come we've got to expand we've got to expand our understanding we have to under expand our intimacy with him we have to under expand our belief and our faith in him and the reason why is for these three things this is the three things and like i said at the beginning this was how he got me to this point these were the three things that happened the first thing was the number of christians in england and wales we know that survey that came out yeah and if you don't i guess just you just need to just google google it and you would see all the things that are being said and of course as usual i started to ask god questions about it i had and the, what he dropped in my mind were these two scriptures matthew 5:16 and because of time i wouldn't read through them but they are on the screen and you can check them up you, yourself and john 13 verses 34 and 35 in any versions it is but the bottom line is this is that for a christian he has given us or he has told us that if we are to do the things that he said we should do that people will see our good works they will see it and they will give glory to him just like jesus christ did jesus christ didn't go all about talking to people, moving, trying to get, explain things to people. He just went about doing the good that he was. He went about doing the miracles, teaching the people who came to him, giving them the information and healing the sick. And his fame spread throughout the nations. Yeah. And he is an example for us. So that God was, that's one of the things he was ministering to me that yes, the numbers are, they may be declining or whatsoever. And yes, we may think, oh, we need to pray more, you know, revival, all of that sort of things. And he was really just saying to me, just do what I told you to do. Love one another. They will know that you're my disciples. Um, 
and you know let your light do the good works let your light shine when you let your light shine they they will know that you're my disciples you know and i just i just i just i just i just marveled and that's that's how i got to okay so i have to believe this faith i've got to up my game in this thing so that as at least he can work through me and if he does that then people will see and they will come to him the second thing was the demonstration of power jesus christ said and you can check it out john chapter 4 verse 48 unless you people see signs and wonders you will by no means believe and you can check it out as he went about healing people the works that he did when he fed the 5000 all those things spread faster than the fact that he said um um that if you unless you are born again you will not enter the kingdom of god those things were the things that brought people to him and each time the people came he gave them the word they heard the word it was filled with power they said gosh no man has spoken like this before this guy is speaking with authority and of course they began to pay a little bit more attention to him and so he was saying look the power and if for those of us in jesus house we heard um uh i don't know whether it's apostle or bishop george bloomer that's it when he said that he we were entering a period of the supernatural he's not the first to say it but that's the one the most recent one in itself yeah um i don't take those things for like for granted so of course i'm praying and i'm talking to god about it because if the not because i'm saying if because i doubt but if there's going to be a supernatural period of time i must be a part of it i can't do it if my belief levels are low and if my faith levels are low i can't do it that's obvious from the scriptures of what, what we shared today in itself and the third thing was what pastor agu said last week when he said god was talking to him about next year and God wants to establish us. Now, I don't know what really that means and I'm still hoping and waiting for Pastor to expand it or explain it a little bit more, but I heard it and it resonated with me because of all these things that have been lining up all the way through in itself. And when I when this thing came, God took me to this um, um, scripture, 2 Chronicles 20, 20. And the scripture that it jumped out to me, believe in the Lord your God and you shall be established. We're back to that word believe. We're back to that word believe. And then it says, believe his prophets and you shall prosper. So to me, it looks like everything hinges on our belief and how we believe. Because I remember Jesus Christ said uh, when he was talking about the um, the um the uh four soils the the parable of the sower um in one of the in one of the gospels and i don't remember which one exactly he said that you should you should be careful how you hear so it's not just what you hear but also how you hear and that thing struck me so here we are that was it i just needed to just sort of um share that i had hoped i would have time for questions um but you can see it was quite a bit i had to try and go through just to come to the point and to show us the dimensions that god has put in the scriptures for us in terms of being able to believe and know him that there's so many dimensions if we will just um yeah give ourselves to that in its own way I hope that was really useful and I hope it stares you just as it stared me and it's still staring me. And I um, you know, I was going to give you homework or assignment if if you if you would permit me to do so. And that is we have some time before the first of January, between now and the first of January, to spend some time in building up the way in which we believe him and the way in which we believe scripture, the way in which we view him, the way in which we know him. You have some clues, you have some pointers here. I hope you can just run with it and yeah, do something great with it.
So God bless you all. Thank you all for coming, um, for for being a part of it. Um, please, if you if you have any questions as well, please um, send it through the channels. We will well, hopefully um, be able to address all the questions that you that you have. And I do apologize for not being able to set time aside for the questions. Um, it, it is just a lot of material to go through. God bless you all. Thank you. Have a great, great, great week.